books on books on the brain <laughs> welcome back to books on the brain a podcast of books and nonsense i'm deirdre i'm danielle and i'm carly and we have a very special guest on today. So please give a warm welcome to Nisha Sharma. We are so excited Yay. to have you on today, Nisha. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. How is everybody doing today? I need you know. to stop going to bed at like 3 a.m. I think that's what I need to stop doing. <laughs> I'm pooped. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, same. I have a tendency to read like until this book is done and then that's it i'm i'm up till however whatever i will i will power through (laughs) yeah i i've been waking up every morning just like absolutely aching and i'm like i'm clearly not getting a good night's sleep so yeah (laughs) the uh, so i guess we're all on the same the same sleep schedule then which means we are all wide awake right now yes (laughs) hopefully Well, we always like to start off um, with a little TikTok questions, and all of us are on TikTok. So what TikTok sound is currently stuck in everybody's head? I can go first if people need a second to think about it. I have, um, there's like three going on a loop in my head this week, but the one that keeps going is, um, what do you think, Wackus Bunkus? Oh my god, yes. Kill him. That is Ooh, mine. <laughs> you naughty, is I just love it so much. Yeah, that's that's my sound too. I have a I and I I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird for me to see people like saying "wackus bonkus" on my forty. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> it is weird. Um, mine is. Uh, it sounds like, you know, like Wii Sports, specifically the golf section. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh-huh. No, it's baseball. It's baseball. It's yeah. baseball. Uh, and then you hit the baseball and then you, you like put your hand to your eyebrow and then you're like, nobody asked. Ugh, it's really funny. I remember seeing the first one, but I had my sound turned off because mm. I, I don't know why I couldn't have my sound on, but I was just reading what was on the screen and I didn't get it. Ugh. And then I finally saw my first one with this out, and I was like, I still don't get it. <laughs> what? I, I already have, like, three planned TikToks in my drafts with that sound. I was like, this is the sound I've been missing. Thank you. Oh, man. Um, I currently have um, Phoebe Bridgers just released uh, a cover of That Funny Feeling by Bo Burnham, and that has... Oh, no. It, it's depressing, but it's been stuck in my head. <laughs> I'm, okay, so we've got a range. Yeah, <laughs> full gambit here. Oh, man. What were you going to say, Danielle? I was going to say, I feel like I shouldn't have found out that information. I think that that's going to be good for my mental health. <laughs> I think that was something I maybe could have gone without knowing. It's, 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 yeah, it's as bad as you think it is. Like, it's good, <laughs> but, like, heart-wrenching. Cut to me driving home tonight at, like, 11 p.m. completely dark just sobbing in my car driving down the coolies in lethbridge to the song <laughs> Ugh, i'm excited for my music video moment <laughs> so speaking of tiktok obviously mm-hmm. book talk has become very big over the last year and more and more we've seen authors joining so we would mm-hmm. love to know nisha what brought you to tiktok what brought you to book talk 
was there something that was like, I really want to be part of the social media thing? Were you kind of pressured to do it? Tell us all about it. I think I hit it before there was really any publisher pressure. Like now we're starting to see a lot of publisher pressure and like authors coming to TikTok in droves. But mm. I hit it like, I think maybe six months before that. Okay. <laughs> and the reason why is because I do have a friend who's on TikTok, Alicia Rye. And um, Alicia is like, her videos went viral during the election season because she played like the devil videos. And so, um, and she, she would say that, you know, Twitter is not really necessarily safe or like healthy for authors anymore because it's become like this echo chamber on Twitter. And um, there's readers on Twitter aren't on Twitter. What's the point of being on Twitter? What's the point in spending time, valuable time on social media? if it's not healthy and you're not engaging with the people who you want to engage with. So she left a long time ago and she had been building up this uh, TikTok profile and she's great at it. And all of us, all of us being the South Asian writers because we, we all talk to each other, there's like 12 of us. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know we're all talking about it and a lot of them are like, listen, we're too old, we can't do this. And um, for me, I I just was like, okay, I'm going to download it and I'm just going to check out what's on this youngin platform. I say youngin, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like 36. <laughs> it's not like I'm ancient, but also, you know, I, I was like, let me, let me check out what's on this platform. So I started watching all of these videos and people were discovering all of these older romances that I absolutely loved. And mm-hmm. I, of course, wanted to talk about them too. So the reason why I joined Book Talk it's to talk about books and and really that was it and I think it took like a good four to six months before people were like wait you're an author too <laughs> and, and I realized like how sorely I had been presenting myself to like my reader base like they had no idea like I think I saw someone like post a video that followed me and that that like had engaged with my content before like post mm-hmm. a video review of my book and not even realizing but like it was, it was you. It was me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, obviously I'm, I'm not doing this right. So I started like to talk a little bit more about the books that I'm writing. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's harder for me than talking about other people's books, because it's easier to kind of gush about things that, you know, I enjoy and things that I love. It's, it's a lot harder for me to talk about and gush about books that I've created that come from a very personal place. So, um, so dating Dr. Dill, I'm, I'm excited about because not necessarily for the story, but because of the conversations that I hope will come out of the story, like terrible dating experiences and like, (laughs) you know, dating, like, you know, um, at like 30 and online dating, like all of this. And that's, you know, those are the kinds of, you know, exciting, like discussions that I want to have. And that's why I'm more open to talking about the book but um but yeah but my initial plan was to really just get on this platform and be like hold up if you like this author excuse me why is no one talking about this author Mm -hmm. and and that was the intention from the beginning (laughs) I didn't realize that that's awesome yeah so then Um, I'm gonna move up one of our later questions uh to now because it kind of fits in with this so when you you kind of touched on this but did you find a little bit of a reader base on TikTok have you sort of slowly found it and 
Is there a book that of yours that kind of stands out that people most know, or has it been some of your newer books, um, like Ratha and Jay, which just came out this year? I think it's been my newer books. Um, so I think uh, the more I've talked about my own books, readers have found me um, mm-hmm. versus me finding my readers. Um, I think like at first I found the South Asian like book talkers and like mm-hmm. that's I connected with them because they came up on my for you page and I was just really excited about them and then they ended up following me back and you know we've kind of like connected that way um but um for the most part like I've now started to get other readers who are starting to follow me and um and I think it's because of Radha and Jay, which is what I was talking about, and a lot of mm-hmm. other book talkers. I've been very fortunate enough that I have like talked about it. Deidre, like I see my book like cover on your shelf every time I do a video, <laughs> and I get very excited. Uh, it's so. so beautiful. I literally have it right next to me. It is <laughs> such a beautiful cover. No one can see it yeah, um, if you're listening to this podcast. But it just like I love having great. it facing front because I'm like oh. Nisha and it's so pretty and oh it they really did they did a great job with that cover and um and I think that's you know that's what has brought readers to me and then like lately it's like my backlist has started to get a little bit of attention because of that um so right I wrote two billionaire romances and um and all of a sudden like people are starting to talk about them and I'm like okay well awesome they've been out since 2019 which is great but (laughs) (laughs) but like I don't remember the story so I literally can't make any TikToks about them because I I don't I don't remember what I wrote (laughs) (laughs) I love that I love the admission like readers don't remember what we read and writers don't remember what they wrote great It's, it's the same thing like I and and I'll tell you guys a secret that will hopefully, like your readers will like know you'll be, will all your your listeners will know. We'll all be mm-hmm. in the in crowd. So there's the dad in my billionaire romances has like a name, and I ended up like, I ended up using that name as a secondary character in dating Dr. Bill, and like <laughs> I'm trying to avoid not using the same name, but I forgot. And I submitted the book in for copy edits already. So that means like I cannot change this man's name now. So forever, there will be two Deepaks in my, in the Nisha universe. <laughs> and uh, so there's that. This is all the secrets coming right out. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> That's really funny. That is really, really, really funny. <laughs> so, you know, here we go. I... That is really funny. I don't know how to segue out of that because I'm just, that is hilarious. Um, something that I love about your couch, because I've been, I don't even remember how long I've been following you for. I found you quite a while ago. Um, I feel like you balance being an author and being a quote normal person <laughs> pretty well, <laughs> or I should say your personal life, um, that we kind of see the author persona online where people are talking about their friends' books, their own books, uh, but you might not necessarily see too much of their personal life. Um, And I feel like you have a pretty good balance of like showing us your new library and uh, things like that. And so could you talk a little bit about creating those boundaries and um, how you go about that on social media? So, um, uh, so like my, I guess this kind of like has to, I should probably tell you guys a little bit about like my my personal experience and like my career and things like that. But um, I, uh, after law school, I ended up being a, um, 
a compliance attorney for quite a bit of time and I worked in corporate contracts. And a lot of the work I did was uh, diversity and inclusion. So it was working with diverse businesses. And then I ended up like segueing into diversity, equity, and inclusion at that early stage in my career. And I started, basically I, I built diversity programs at fortune 15 companies mm -hmm. so like oh, i wow. i engineered corporate programs yeah. and i did a lot of the risk assessment and a lot of the executive coaching on like what to say what not to say like keep your mouth shut like don't be an idiot kind of thing <laughs> and um someone needed to tell them um so you know that that has been my background which is why a lot of what i talk about is diversity in publishing because diversity equity and inclusion is something that I I know quite a bit about and um, and when I approach the work that I do now, so I left corporate America in September of 2020 and I opened up my own consulting practice. So basically, I work when I want to work and I write most of the most of the time. So that's why like I'm relatively always on TikTok because I can manage my hours and and go from there. But um, uh, that being said, one of the like key markers of success with a diversity program is authenticity. So you have to bring your authentic self to every space. Otherwise you won't be able to connect with people in a meaningful way. And so every time I'm on a social media platform, I'm very mindful of things like privacy. So like my husband does not want his face on social media and 99.9% .9 of the time you will never see him. Um, but, um, you know, um, that and my family, like they periodically, they're okay with it. And so for the most part, you won't see them either. Um, and um, I'm mindful of privacy, but privacy aside, like I, I'm not going to hide like the way that I normally am. And I think that itself is what makes TikTok kind of magical because, um, you know, you you can bring your authentic self to TikTok, your messy parts, your like unrefined parts, um, your beautiful parts, whatever it is. And TikTok is the place for it. Meanwhile, other social media platforms is a little bit more curated. So, you know, and um, and that's kind of why I felt so comfortable. Like I'm, I almost never wear makeup on TikTok. I almost never dress up or do my hair or whatever on TikTok. Um, I like, I have constantly had like acne scarring and like, I'm like, don't have the best skin. I don't really care. And <laughs> the reason why is like, what am I, like, I can't do it. If I could do something about it, don't you think I would have done something about it by now? But like, you know, so that being said, like, it's like, I'm going to bring all of that to TikTok because I know that like people have been accepting on this platform. Like people expect that on the platform. And I'm not going to give them something that's curated if that's not what they're expecting. So, and also like who has time for that? So yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> I mean, that's why I love TikTok so much. I was like, oh, I don't have to spend hours curating my feed and like figuring yeah. out my grid layout. I can just post a video and it's gonna be fine. Great. Yeah. Like, and I mean, this is this is not knocking anyone who does do that though there are quite a few creators right. who do like who spend quite a bit of time like getting themselves together for tiktok but that's what they want to do and mm -hmm. and they should do whatever yes. they want to do but like that's not an expectation of them and i think that's yeah. important 
Yeah. I think, like, authenticity on TikTok is what allows people to find success. And be it that your authentic self is, like, highly curated or, like, um, Mm -hmm. a version of yourself that maybe is a little bit more, uh, I don't know, less, like... (laughs) put together maybe uh someone who's more put mm-hmm. together or you can have the off the cuff like i just picked up my phone because i had this funny thought but people like users on tiktok can sense authenticity and i think that is what draws people to the mm-hmm. platform and to followings of certain creators right yeah more definitely. so than other apps um 100%. again i am not the best at segways i was like i can think of something nope we're just gonna go for it so On TikTok recently, Mm. um, especially like in the last week, we've seen this rise in videos. And I personally have seen the reactions to these videos. I'm actually kind of glad I haven't seen the originals because I think I would have gone feral um, (laughs) of people who are saying that they don't want authors to be Mm -hmm. on TikTok. And the three of us have mainly come into the book community through TikTok. So I'm kind of assuming that maybe this has been a rhetoric on other platforms in the past-ish. Yeah. How do you sort of navigate that? Because you did make a video. It was so well said, everything that you (laughs) wanted to say about it. Um, And I'm curious why you like being on social media as an author. And also, is there anything that you don't like about it, knowing you probably don't like being tagged in like negative reviews? (laughs) I do not Um, like being tagged in negative reviews. No, I'm sure sure all authors don't like being tagged in negative (laughs) reviews. Um, so like, and I, I think the reason why I'm a little bit more forgiving about all of this is because I started like when I was in law school, one of the ways that I made extra money was reviewing books. Like I used to work at, as a freelancer where I'd review books for examiner.com. I was a national wide book reviewer. So, um, and it was a very short term thing. I don't even know if examiner.com is still a thing, but, um, because of that, and because I was also writing at the same time, and I was having conversations with both book reviewers and authors, and this is before like major platforms, right? Um, I am dating myself right now, but it is, it is like Instagram was like not really a huge thing by then. Like it was like Twitter was like, Twitter and Facebook was the thing. (laughs) And, um, you know, I think uh, like those early conversations about people talking about like setting setting expectations, you know, what they can expect from you and what they, um, what they want to see from you, those kind of shaped the way that I look at reviewing and as having an author presence. So as long as you're professional and you're like, you're not um, reviewing a book in a way that I think is specifically targeting the author as a person. I mean, that's like, I personally think that even a very terrible negative review, as long as it's focusing on the book itself and it's not focusing on like, Nisha is obviously a terrible person because her book sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that, right? Oh, God. And, oh. I mean, it is what it is. Because I mean, you know we, I, I know we've all seen those reviews on Goodreads and you yeah. like don't want it to be true. You're like, you can't actually be writing this. You can't. No. Yeah. It's no, there. I mean, but it's there. So, you know, it is, it is what it is, but like, so, so early on, I understood that like I would engage with readers in that way, like that if they're professional, I will a hundred percent 
know that this is their body's work, this is what's expected of them, and I'm not going to judge them for not liking my book. Like, not everyone is going to like everything I write. It's just the way it is, you know, and I understand that. I appreciate that. And once that book is published, it is like a separate entity beyond beyond me. Um, and so this is my long-winded way of basically saying is that I think you know, I, I go on this platform, I see people review books, some people may not love my books, and I'm okay with that. Like, if it comes up on my For You page, I'm okay with that. This goes back to the authenticity thing and the amount of authors that are now on BookTok. I think that people feel like they can't be their authentic selves and review books in the way that they've always been reviewing books because they feel like authors are going to see it. And that makes them uncomfortable because their reviews may or may not be as professional or come from a place of like complete lack of bias as you know other people's other reviews right it is what it is <laughs> like <laughs> but but if however they're feeling and i'm just this is just an assumption but however they're feeling like that does not mean that i'm going to leave to make you comfortable no, no, no. right <laughs> yeah. that's not the answer <laughs> you know that is not going to be the answer and that is my position about like authors and readers on tiktok um the i i will say that as a reader it does make it a little bit more like it does make it a little bit more difficult because you are sensitive to the way that other people feel even if you are being professional um and you know, I've known that, and they tell you as an, like, if you're, once you're really publishing, like, you know, you have to be mindful of reviewing your peers' work because you never know, like, professionally where your paths will intersect. So I'm in a slightly different position than just a regular reader who's also not writing. Um, so that's why, like, I never really post, like, like really bad reviews on my, on my, like, I, I do not like a lot of books. I DNF books, but I will never really talk about it. I'm in a separate position than what readers like everyday readers are um but that being said like even when I say like even when I post the Allie Hazelwood like comment that I made about you know the love hypothesis which um I thought it was very well written and I thought I think Allie is super talented and she deserves the success um that um that she's getting um the love hypothesis was not for me because it was very privileged and like it comes from a place of privilege and as a person of color like it was very clear to me that this book <laughs> had a very narrow scope and it kind of like brought it to light of how my circumstances would be different or characters with diverse backgrounds would be different so like i said all of that in the video and like there were people who still came for me like the video uh and i was thinking to myself like okay well i can see why people may be uncomfortable with authors on tiktok because you know like if if ali saw this and then she saw like the comments or whatever i i don't know what her reaction would be and hopefully she never sees it whatever but um <laughs> but i like i understand the uncomfortableness but at the same time like Publishers are now more and more pushing authors to be on these platforms because the best way to still sell a book to this day, no matter what anyone says, is word of mouth. And TikTok gives you that. So I don't yeah, know if I, I definitely <laughs> No, you did. You absolutely did. I definitely find for myself, I tend to not post more negative reviews because I'm conscious of the authors being on TikTok. Or if I do, I try to like 
square that line of like it just wasn't for me right because yeah. it's it's very rare that I read a book that is just straight up not good like mm-hmm. I can see why people would enjoy it it's just not a book that I personally enjoyed um but I always feel like I might be like hurting somebody's feelings <laughs> I, like don't want to do that and that's just like my personal brand if you want to call it that um whereas we've seen other people do not feel that way and they will just post all of their thoughts on the internet and that's okay that's totally okay absolutely as long as you're like as long as you're doing it in a way that's like like respectful I guess is the way to do it you can do it in a funny right. way you can be like cutting and you can be whatever but you know as long as you're not like the her entire like death upon her and her yeah. family yeah. like you know <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've done a couple um, episodes previously on the podcast where we've read like one and five star reviews on Goodreads. And it all comes down to respect. Like if you can have a one star review of a book and still be super respectful to the author. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's subjectivity versus objectivity, right? Like the objective opinion of this book, like even if I don't personally, it's not my taste, you can still objectively look at a book and be like, this is a well-written book. This, like, has merit to it for other people. But subjectively, it's not for me. But it's when we get into, like, what you were saying of, like, let's dismantle this entire work and let's totally dehumanize this author. Uh, it's like, who's that review for? It's not for yeah. it's not for other readers at that point. And then what's the point of it? <laughs> like, right. it defeats the purpose of a review when you're just attacking everything that has nothing to do with the book yeah yeah for sure 100% um and like you mentioned like being like an author in the space like you have to be like careful kind of of like who you're reviewing and everything I'm wanting I'm going to school for creative writing I'm wanting to be an author someday I also have to like kind of watch my reviews even on Goodreads I'm like oh I can't say too much but um yeah it's definitely like you have to do it in a respectful way yeah I mean it's not meant to like that advice is not meant to curtail anyone's reviews and I don't want to curtail anyone's reviews but like at the same time, like in TikTok speak, like don't wish the author like unalived themselves. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which oh, I see, you know, by there the are way. like, like they're like <laughs> Right. There are the do's and don'ts, you know, don't send death threats. Don't um publicize piracy in people's comments. Oh um. dear God. <laughs> that's also a no no. You know, there's just like a handful of things you just shouldn't be doing anyway, regardless yeah. of whether the author is going to see it or not. And like people who are disrespectful, I think are the ones that are like upset the most. Yeah. <laughs> the the yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes um, like there's things to consider, right? Like book talk for the most part, what Deirdre had said earlier, like it's a lot of uh, people's first foray into the book community, into reviewing books, getting sent arcs. Uh, they don't know the, like, decorum or etiquette that goes along with, like, how to navigate tough situations and, like, mm-hmm. communicate and critically think about, like, uh, beyond myself, how does this affect other people? Uh, which is an age thing. It's an experience mm-hmm. thing. Um, and also, it kind of, like, there's this inherent power dynamic between authors and readers that it's it's no one's fault it just exists it's like the people getting to consume the art given by the authors and it's like it plays into this interesting dynamic where sometimes it feels like readers feel like they want to like combat it and like level themselves to be even Mm -hmm. um 
which isn't uh, the point, right? Like it's it's it comes down to a, like a conversation about consumption of art. Uh, but yeah, sometimes I see this power dynamic uh, specifically on TikTok when I see like um, authors like stitching people's reviews, like bad reviews and stuff. I'm like, don't, don't just if 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 it's they're mean, like report it. But like then you're sending hate to those people who maybe don't know better. But if they do know better, then it's a different story. Yeah, it's like you don't know people's. <laughs> yeah. like, it's this whole thing of like, we're because it's so new, we're all trying to figure it out. So yeah. there's going to be mistakes. But also like, just kind of like try to be nice to people, I guess. I don't yeah. know. And like, like this is not to like comment also on like problematic authors. Because like, they're, they're, right. like there is such a thing as problematic authors. Like you have problematic books, you have problematic authors. Like those things exist. You know, but at the same time, like, we're really just talking about, like, the level of protection that some book talkers may have felt when authors weren't so much on the platform. Mm -hmm. So then I guess on the other side of that, what do you enjoy about being on social media? Is, Is there a side of social media that you enjoy being a part of? Yeah, no, I, um, I feel like I'm one of many who, um, sorry, Nancy Drew is, is like I don't know what she's doing. My my dog. I love. Um, and then I there's love Lizzie that Bennett. That's your pet's oh. name. <laughs> I love it. Nancy Drew, come on, man. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, <laughs> um, I feel like I'm I'm probably not the only person to say this, but I have like a whole camera reel now of like screenshots of like book recommendations yeah. from people where I just like screenshot it and I'm just constantly like adding stuff to like my TBR and I my entire camera reel is like mafia romance and shifter romance and like you know queer contemporary romance and that's pretty much it yeah <laughs> it's a great side of book talk to be on <laughs> it really is it's great <laughs> Um, so we, I feel like we constantly are giving our listeners just like dumps of, um, book recommendations and we've slowly been bringing romance into the fold of, um, things that we talk about on this podcast. So I'm curious if you have like three to five authors that you just like love their books, constantly recommend their books that you would just like to shout out into the void. I will, I will die on this grave. Uh, or I will go to the grave with, with what, I don't know. I I mean, you guys know what I mean, but, um, like Melanie Singh is one of the best romance authors that I know. And, uh, she's incredible and she's also incredibly kind. Um, so it's, that's just kind of like makes it all the better. Um, and so to kind of give you like a quick rundown of like my favorites for Melanie Singh. Um, so she has this series called the side changeling series and the side changeling series is is this futuristic world where three species live together so it's the shifters the humans and the psi who have these elevated mental capabilities and basically the psi live in this thing called silence which is they do not experience emotion emotion has been eradicated from their race for 100 years except some of them are starting to feel And what happens is like, if they start to feel they're pushed through this program or this protocol called conditioning, which is basically like their, their mind is wiped. And so people are like, they're the one fear that still exists is like fear of conditioning. So they, everyone is like very, very strict about 
holding on to silence. And these sci have like things like, you know, telekinetic uh, capabilities and like, you know, like whatever, you know, teleporting, whatever. And so uh, the first book in the series is about the alpha of a, like of a like leopard pack who falls in love with a sigh uh, who is starting to feel. And it is Ooh. so good. It is, so, it is like a 20 book series and it is every single one of them. I'm telling you, every single one of them is like top notch. And book like, I think it's 13. It's called Heart, no, no it's probably 11. Uh, Heart of Obsidian that is the book that you have to read towards like you have to read all of them to get to this one book because this man has been looking for this woman for like 20 years or whatever something ridiculous it's not 20 it's probably 10 because they're young um but like like 10 whatever 10 15 years let's say 15 and call it like even but um and he's like his sole goal every decision he has made in his life has specifically been to find her he wanted to like get the most political power in the world so he could literally find her and oh just... my god <laughs> y'all can and see also, our faces right now <laughs> <laughs> and also he is a virgin because he saved himself for her i added it to my good reads so thank you <laughs> so so hard of obsidian is like book 11 but you have to like work your way up to book 11. Okay, so Melanie Singh's Side Changing Series is my favorite. The second one, if you guys are Buffy fans, I call it Melanie Singh Buffy fan fiction. It's about a vampire hunter who falls in love with an angel. An arc Hell yeah. angel. It's like, hello, Buffy fan fiction, right? Right then and there. Like, what if Angel was literally an angel? This is what the story is. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's Melanie Singh's Buffy fan fiction. And then my favorite contemporary romance of all time is Melanie Singh's Rock Hard, which is a grumpy boss who falls in love with a sunshine secretary. It is, and he's like, he's Samoan. So he's like, he's given you, he's given you like really good Samoan energy. <laughs> So he's a runly player. It's he he and like when he gets like cranky and he like pisses off his secretary and she snaps at him, he'll go out and bring her dessert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he like brings her cupcakes when he knows that he's pissed her off. So it's just okay, so that's Melanie's thing. I know you said three to five. I'm gonna give you three because I just went on a very long rampage about Melanie's thing. The second one that I will also, I will, I will um, die on this grave for this author. <laughs> um, wait, hold on. Now I have to think about it. Am I going to talk about which author am I going to talk about? Oh, okay. Nikki Sloan, but 18 plus, check your trigger warnings. <laughs> I just read so many Nikki Sloan books. I'm so glad you're saying Nikki Sloan. Nikki Sloan is is amazing. When it comes to erotic romance, Nikki Sloan's amazing. So um, Danielle, have you read the the three, like the the Simple Rules trilogy? No, I've- Or only, not I've, trilogy, it's a series of six. No, I read the Filthy Rich American series. I just finished. Yeah. Oh, it's, oh, it's, it's so much, but it's everything. 
it's so good. Okay, so I found Nikki Sloan through her mafia romance, and there is Dubcon in that book, so it's not for everybody. But um, that it's not even Dubcom. It is like it's straight up false in book one. So I highly, I highly recommend checking triggers before you go into that book one. But the way that she kind of rolls it out is very like commendable as an author. So I was really intrigued, and I started reading all of her other books. The Blindfold Club books, there's six of them, are about, oh, I'm already like sweating. Um, so the Blindfold Club books are about a club that men will pay to like go and like sleep with women, but the women are there like voluntarily. They enjoy like the experience. They're blindfolded. They set their rates. And, um, and basically there's like a negotiation that happens when they first, like the men first enter the room. So like women have to accept like the cost that the men are offering, right? And we're talking like, like thousands and thousands of dollars. Like we're starting at like $20,000. Like, <laughs> like that's the kind of like rate these women have. And they have like a little sheet and on the sheet, it's like, this is what I'm willing to do. And this is how much like I, I charge. And, and, and that's the situation. And book one is this, this girl who has this job and she made a very expensive error. And, uh, and she's like, I can't lose my job. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't lose it. I will never get hired again. If I, if I do this, like I have to do something. And her boss is like, well, I don't know what to tell you, but like, you have to make this up and I will keep this quiet. And her boss is like super hot. Right. And she, I'll keep it quiet, but like, you have to, you have to make this up. So it's like $12,000 or something. And so, and so she, she goes to a friend who's like considered like the most expensive courtesan who works at this club. And, and her, her friend is like, well, you can like one night, one dude, you, you can make that kind of money. And she's like, you know what? Okay, I'll do it. And she's like, and I'm kind of into it. So, okay, fine, whatever, I'll do it. So she goes and the guy is her boss. Oh, <laughs> like, oh. The blindfold off of her. And it's her boss. It's not really a spoiler because it's literally on the back of the book. But like, <laughs> but like takes the blindfold off of her. <laughs> and she's like, oh my God, my boss and I are having sex. <laughs> I am speechless. So I'm sorry if this podcast is like meant to be PG. No, no, no. It's correct. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So it's it's amazing. And then every single book in the series is. I say the first three are my favorite. There were the like remaining three. Like, I mean, I like Nikki, so I'll read them. But the first mm -hmm. three are just amazing. Uh, the second one is like the main courtesan of the club. <laughs> She like engages in in activities with a man and then she like moves to Japan with him after one night. I'm not even joking. Wow. <laughs> like this is this is the kind of thing that Nikki Sloan is doing. And then so that book, that series is amazing. And then <laughs> Filthy Rich Americans, Danielle can also attest to it. It's like it will blow your mind. It is so like I read it, I was like, what? the hell is happening it's incredible <laughs> um Deidre and Carly do you know about the series like have you heard about the filthy rich Americans no okay. I've kept it to myself <laughs> I've greedily <laughs> kept it to myself 
high level pitch of filthy rich Americans, rich family, heroin from a rich family is forced to marry the son of the, of the bank family that basically owns her parents now because her parents went into debt. But in order to marry him, like the son is on the board of directors, the board of directors has a secret initiation. This initiation involves two minutes with every board of directors. Oh. <laughs> And like the dad is the head of the board, like the hero's dad is the head of the board. And he develops this obsession with her that lasts like three books. I could, I'm going to proudly and vulnerably say McAllister, who's the dad, could absolutely get it with me. A hundred percent. Oh yeah. The dad, the dad has it. The son does not have it. The dad has it. No. Every single person I know has read this series for the dad. Oh, a hundred. It's like Royce who? No, McAllister only. McAllister. (laughs) Oh, I'm gonna move those right up to the top of my list because we get we get a McAllister like um, spinoff. Of course, McAllister. Yeah, yeah. Of course, McAllister. But McAllister goes through a lot in order to get his own romance. Let me tell you, because he's a villain for book for books one through three. You want you want to love him, but he's also a villain. Oh, absolutely. You have to like check your check your. Lady like dignities at the door when you're reading those books, but they're good. They're really, yeah. really good. <laughs> they're and like my favorite, Danielle. I won't spoil this whole thing, but like I, I'll give you like a little teaser. There is a maze, and she uh. has to like get out of this like thing that she has with the family. This like like debt that she has with this family. Mm-hmm. She has to make it through the maze. And McAllister is has to like race her, otherwise she's stuck. It's yeah, like a thing. It's like a minotaur maze. Yeah, like because the whole there's a whole like B plot of the story of these books where the main character her name's Mer- Meredith. Uh, ooh, can't remember. Um, I don't even remember the heroine's name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's okay. uh, that's not what I was reading it for. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she has this like Greek mythology obsession, so she will compare herself to Medusa, and uh, McAllister calls her Nyx, but in this maze, she's like, he was the Minotaur. And I'm, re- I'm like driving uh... home to Calgary then, like... to visit my mom, and I'm like, on the highway, like wanting to scream and like cover my ears, but I'm like, I'm driving, I can't. Oh, but, shit. but like, like to just to give you an idea of how important that is, like, what happens if someone gets caught by the Minotaur in the maze? They get eaten. Mm-hmm. Think about what that means. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> uh, they're great though, and they're all the audiobooks are on script. So if you're oh, if nice. you have script, they're all and they're done really well actually. Uh, the the girl who does the audiobook is really really great. So if you're looking for a, a, your first uh, romance erotica uh, audiobook, check those out. So um so those are my two major recommendations, and I have like a bunch of others, but I don't I mean <laughs> I no, don't know. Those were <laughs> those were perfect. Those were perfect. Uh, and now to talk more about you and your books. Um, we I are... I could go on and on forever. <laughs> <laughs> we are so excited for Dating Dr. Dill to come out in the spring. It comes out in March. I don't have my notes. Yeah, it's March 15th. Okay. Mark your calendars, folks. Get your pre-orders in. Uh, we are super, super excited. So can you tell us a little bit about it What in, and what inspired you to write 
this story? Sure. So I guess I'll start with the inspiration aspect. Like Dating Dr. Dill is a story that um, like the, it started with the Shakespeare element. So I wanted to do a retelling, but um, my MFA thesis was on Jane Austen and everyone and their mother has done Jane Austen and Pride and Prejudice recently. So I was like, whatever, like, I know I could slay, but let's, let's go like a little bit deeper in Nisha Psyche. So um, I, I was talking to my editor, I was talking with a bunch of friends and I was like, I want to take something that I really enjoy and love that is set out in a way that mimics South Asian stereotypes and I want to dismantle it. I want to dismantle the stereotypes. And Shakespeare's stories have a tendency to like follow these very traditional stereotypical plot lines that a lot of South Asians can relate to. And I was like, these, this is it. Like, this is, this is what I want. I want to take Shakespeare's plays and I want to completely dismantle them. Whether or not I succeeded, I don't really know, but I had a lot of fun along the way. Um, so, uh, Dating Dr. Bill is a reimagination, or as the author Bethany Morrow says, a remix of Taming of the Shrew. So it's a Taming of the Shrew remix about a doctor whose name is Fram. His first name, Fram, means love. He's a cardiologist, and he has a talk show called The Dr. Dill Show, and Dill, D-I-L, means heart. So there's, like, a lot of puns like layered in there, right? He's a cardiologist whose first name means love, who does not believe in love, who has a show about the heart. Um, so, so that is, that's all there. Um, uh, Frame is trying to start this clinic in Jersey City that's specifically for the South Asian community because they aren't getting the healthcare that they need because a lot of Healthcare for that community looks very different than the healthcare that is often provided in the US. Um, and Jersey City has a huge population of South Asians. So it was like the perfect place for his clinic, his community center. Um, Karina, on the other hand, <laughs> is a lawyer who works for this uh, startup that basically helps women um, establish businesses, immigrant women establish businesses. And so she has like a very similar like call to advocacy as Frame does, but she's very different than Frame. Like Karina had parents who had a love marriage and we're talking like hearts, stars, flowers, fireworks, all of it. And her mother died when she was 12 after she had basically like built this family home that they were supposed to have like a happily ever after in. And um, Karina uh, like, has all these memories attached to this house and she wants to grow old in this house that her mother had started. It's kind of like um, like, like um, when your parents establish roots and you, know, you cultivate the plant and you grow it. Like that's the way that Karina looks at it. Except her dad wants to go golf in Naples, Florida and retire there and he wants to sell the house. She does not have the money to afford property in New Jersey. Um, and so she's like, well, what is it going to take for me to get this house, dad? And he's like, well, I have money set aside for your wedding or for a down payment on a home. It's a gift that my, you know, your mom and I wanted to give both you and your sister. 
um, because we didn't have anything when we started. And so we wanted to give you like a little bit of like a gift. So you don't go poor, wedding poor, or you, when you buy your house, or if you decide to use the money for the house, you have something to basically start your life. But the only way she can access it is if she's engaged. <laughs> so she's not going to sacrifice her morals though. She wants to find, she's like piece of cake. I have put aside romance for the last four, year, five years after law school to focus on my career. Mm-hmm. I'll just get back on the dating apps. It'll be fine. I'll find someone who's going to love me. It's great. Like, this is the way she's looking at this, right? Uh-huh. It, just, it, it doesn't go like that. Like, if it was that easy, we'd all be, like, matched up when we want to be matched up. So, 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 Karina uh, <laughs> goes out for dinner with her friends that night after she finds out. And um, she meets a man at the bar who, like, sweeps her off her feet. But as they're making out in the back of this restaurant three hours after they started this conversation he's pulling her sweater vest over her head it gets stuck on her earring and he leaves her like that (laughs) Uh, and and like straight up just leaves her because he gets like this call and he doesn't know what to do and her earring is stuck and he's freaking out and he literally just leaves her and so so she's like traumatized and horrified but of course she sees him the next day because she goes with her sister to the dr dill show and there he is on stage as Dr. Bill talking about how love is toxic, which is exactly opposite of the kind of lines he had dropped the night before at the bar. So they have a very public altercation. And that's pretty much the setup for the book. That's how it starts. I am even more Me excited. Me too. Book. <laughs> I, I'm uh, so excited. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Oh. Like I was excited, yeah. And now I'm like, I need it, need it now. yeah, right now. I need it yesterday, <laughs> yeah. Please, oh. So yeah, so Doctor Bill is really just a lot of shenanigans. Like the whole book is this low conflict shenanigans. Yeah, <laughs> it's like people yes. who make problems for themselves, oh. and they have to figure out how to like break it up. And there's also a Taylor Swift playlist at the back of this book. Oh my god. I know. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sold. <laughs> so yep. you kind of um, touched on this a little bit, uh, but this it is an adaption of um, Taming of the Shrew, and we've been seeing a lot of really great retellings recently of white cishet stories being refocused to include mm-hmm. a more diverse cast of characters. So what was that like for you, kind of like disassembling and reassembling this story that is pretty well known? So uh, Taming of the Shrew is really about abuse which is kind of terrible, right? Like basically this man comes in and he's like, I need a wife and I need a rich wife and I need to take her money and I'm going to take her and then I'm basically going to mold her into a woman that is like a submissive. And Shakespeare at the time, like uh, Sierra Simone says this really well. Um, Sierra Simone's another author friend of mine. So like I was talking to her when I first had, you know, had developed this concept and Sierra is one of the most intelligent people that I know. When I say this, this woman will blow your mind. Like I literally mean she'll blow your mind. So she's like, Shakespeare couldn't pull the trigger, Nisha. I'm like, what do you mean, Sierra? And she's like, Shakespeare, at the time, Shakespeare was writing in whatever, the 1500s. And um, the like amazing like payoff that he could have had in that book is that she got her vengeance at the end. 
but he couldn't pull the trigger because he was writing in the Times that that was not effective. He's like, you go, she's like, you got to pull the trigger. So I pulled the trigger. <laughs> and, okay. Um, so in my book, like South Asian stereotypes are women are submissive, women are like eager for marriage, women are expected to do these things, men can kind of stroll in, take the woman, she will be submissive, it's good to go. So it's very similar, like through lines. But in taming in uh, dating Dr. Dill, the way that I kind of broke it up is that I took pieces of the story. I'm Ooh. having trouble hearing you. Sorry, my my watch <laughs> decided to talk to us. I I apologize. Siri is okay. a saucy bitch sometimes. That is, you know, I'm surprised that's never happened to us before. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so basically, like I took pieces of Taming of the Shrew and I decided to dismantle it and use pieces. So the heroine um, needs to get married. The hero needs to get married and. The hero needs to get married for money. Like he needs, he also has this very, he like needs money for the center and his reputation is kind of destroyed after this viral video of them fighting goes out. So, and he loses his biggest investor. So he needs the cash and he knows that like Karina can help him get the cash. So, so that is pretty much the same. Both of them are kind of still wrestling with each other as the perfect match, right? Like, so she, he wants her because he thinks like his reputation will be salvaged by like basically connecting with the person who went he went viral with because everyone loves a good enemies to lovers right so people people are like going to see them and be like oh yeah enemies to lovers this is gonna be great let's let's do this together um and um so so that kind of part is the same but in the end he's really the one who gets tamed like instead of her becoming more uh, like willing to bend her um, ideologies to what he wants, he's the one who kind of sees that she should never have to settle for what she believes in and what she wants. And, and that's really the major flip that I did in the story. Um, it doesn't follow the plot line exactly either. Like he doesn't take her away and like, he doesn't like starve her and like, <laughs> like all that stuff, like sleep deprivation, right. <laughs> whatever. If anything in the book, the way that I flipped it is that like, he's constantly feeding her. So you'll see a lot of like him constantly trying to like give her food and like make sure she's okay and healthy and whatever. And she has a problem sleeping, like in Taming of the Shrew, the heroine is like sleep derived because he's constantly waking her up, right? Um, to kind of like throw her off her game. But in Dating Dr. Dill, um, there's, there's a lot of like, she has anxiety so she has a hard time and anxiety isn't really like an outwardly spoken issue in the book but she just generally is presented with a person who's very anxious and um which is very very similar to something that I feel all the time and um and so you know she has a hard time sleeping and she's usually listening to her Taylor Swift playlist at night when she's going to bed and um she needs like her eye mask but she needs like all of her things and um and she, the only place where she feels like she can comfortably fall into sleep without any problems at all is by his side. So like, it's one of those things where it's like all of those, those, uh, you know, torturous abuse moments and Taming of the Shrew are really moments of inflection in Dating Dr. Dill. Amazing. <laughs> um, I'm so excited. I love a good retelling. I feel like everybody knows this, so I'm just. It's, like, a, it's a remix, though, right? It's like it's right. not. It's not a retelling. It's a remix. Remix. We're we're gonna remix. Bethany Morrow is copyright. <laughs> copyright. <laughs> copyright Bethany Morrow. <laughs> 
So before we grab your current read, I have to ask, because mm-hmm. for anybody that has been following Nisha for a couple of months, uh, you may know that she has started this series writing a Taylor Swift yeah, book. Um, <laughs> so how is that going? Are we going to get a new installation soon? Has anybody decided they're going to pick up the mantle and write this book? Because um, you have said that you don't have time to write the book. I get it. I get it. We're all busy. But it's so- amazing. So I want to write the book as an indie pub and I might put it on Kindle Unlimited, but you're not going to see it probably until like end of next year. So it's going to be quite I'm a bit of time. I'm willing to wait. <laughs> Knowing that it might be coming, I'm willing to wait. But yeah, and like it's, for those of you who don't know, it's based off the song The One, like, or it was <laughs> triggered by the song The One. <laughs> I am a huge Swifty. If you can't, I'm, oh my God, I'm living. I'm living. <laughs> so, that's, there you go. <laughs> and if you need more, head on over to Nisha's TikTok and watch her videos. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to take them down just because they're so all over the place. And people would like leave me notes on like other videos going like, I'm waiting. And I'm like, no, I got you. I got it. <laughs> Like, I don't even know what I said in the last few videos. So what I'm going to do is like, I'm going to do the book. I'm going to write the Swifty book and uh, it's going to be probably a novella. It'll probably be relatively short, Um, like maybe whatever, 150 pages or something. And then, Mm -hmm. um, and then I might like do like the summary videos again, but I'll, I'm waiting for like the folders to happen, like where I get that collection feature. I'm not cool enough yet to get the collection feature. So, I know two people got them today, and so I'm like, please, please keep rolling them out, please. I'm I'm waiting. I'm it's not happening for me yet, but when they happen, then I'm gonna do a Taylor Swift. That's it. I'm gonna do a Taylor Swift collection. <laughs> well, we are all very excited. Um, so we do like to round out the podcast with our current reads, or if you had a most recent read that you would like to share with us, we would love to know what you're reading. Oh, can I go last? Is this one of the things where we all talk about our current reads or is it Yeah, we have we have time, so we we totally can. Okay. So why don't you guys go first? I'm gonna peruse my Kindle to find out which book I was reading. Okay. I, I can go first, um, if people need a second. Uh so I recently read The X Hex by Erin Sterling, um, which I have right here in front of me so that I can remind myself what it's about. Um and it is just a really cute witchy rom com and with our uh a little bit of a changed schedule. I'm excited that I'm getting in a witchy read before October is over since this will be one of our last episodes in October. Um, So this book follows Vivian, who is a young witch when we meet her. She's 19 and she has just been broken up with um, from her summer fling. He was from Wales. He had the accent. He was this very powerful wizard or witch. I don't know it was unclear of how they were doing the delineation of that um and the town that she's living in with her aunt and her cousin um his family founded so his family is like very tied into the like witch community of the world and the whole thing is like you should not cast when you're drunk right that seems like a pretty common sense type thing even to be like yeah, absolutely. But, you know, she's 19. Her cousin is plying her with alcohol. And she 
is like, I'm gonna hex him. Like, I'm gonna curse him. And so they light, like, a Bath and Body Works candle, and they're like, I never want him to have that hair swoopy thing that it does. Um, I hope that he is always, like, half an And then um, she casts, like, this very, um, like, hefty curse on him. And there's this whole, like, swoopy magic thing. Um, But she's like, there's no way that I did that. She's kind of new to magic at this point in her life. She uh, doesn't really think that anything has gone wrong. Fast forward nine years. And uh, they haven't seen each other since. He has thought of her, she has thought of him, but, you know, she was really heartbroken. And now he has to go back to this town for this special um, anniversary um, of the town founding to recharge the Lee Lines. And he gets back to the town and things are going really weird. His, like, car breaks down and things start happening and it starts kind of getting put together that maybe she did curse him pretty badly and it didn't hit until he came back to the town. So on top of him just having this like really rough time, they're also butting heads over how they broke up uh, and like reconciling with their feelings. And it's just very funny and cute and like heavily steeped in this fun magic. Um, And it was a great uh, start to my Halloween season. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So Everyone has the X hex. I've seen like literally. a thousand people like, here it is. Here it is. That sounds so much fun. <laughs> it's it's just a, su- I read it in like two days. It's a very mm. quick, super silly, just very fun rom-com. Right. It's a little Love spicy. It. It's a little <gasps> just a itty little. bit. Like fade to black spicy? No. Oh. I think, oh. wait, let me <laughs> remind myself. I feel like it wasn't. I feel like, um, I feel like it was not. Or is it like the abstract where it's like, it describes without describing? And you're like, oh yeah, I get what's happening. Mm, maybe it was that. It was, I feel like it was more than fade to black, but not like. Heart pounding, holy smokes. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. But there's a lot of like tension mm. throughout. Like the way they build up the tension to like things happening. Um, that sounds awesome. It's been two weeks since I read it. That's okay. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> That's a million years in book reading time. Truly. Um, I've been making good use of my Scribd app for the past month. Um, mostly listening to audiobooks because that's really all I have time uh, to listen to right now because school is crazy. Uh, but most recently I finished... Spoiler alert by Olivia Dade, I think. Dade or... Oh, yeah. Uh, um, I'm trying to, like, slowly make my way through, like, the, the canon of plus-size uh, protagonists for for uh, books. I had a really bad, uh, bad time with one to watch, so I had to take a bit of a break. Um, and then I read Electric Idol, the arc of it, and was like, I'm, yep. Yeah, I'm, I can I can read more plus size stuff as a plus size woman. I'm like I'm, I feel like my mental health is in a better place. I can deal with the inherent fat phobia that is in these books right now. Uh, so I'm listened to it, um, and it was a lot of fun. So the premise of this book, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, 
Um, it is about, oh God, what is, what is her name even? Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> April, that's her name. Uh, April is a cosplayer and a fan fiction writer. Mm-hmm. And she writes for, writes in the fandom of Gods of the Gates, Gods of the Gate, Gates of Gods, Gods of the, Gods of the Gates. Um, this is so embarrassing. I, I listen to the audiobook, so I'm like seeing these words for the first time, being like, oh yeah, that's, the sounds are the words. Uh, Gods of the Gate fandom. And um, basically, she posts a picture of herself on her Twitter uh, in a Lavinia cosplay, which is one of the protagonists in this fandom. And people have a lot of things to say. People have positive things to say. People have really nasty, negative things to say about her. And she's kind of kept her, her like, geeky fandom part of herself separate from her, like, professional i think she's a geologist like persona so people don't know that she 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 moonlights as a fan fiction author and cosplayer but uh one of the stars of the tv show sees her photo going viral and tweets her basically saying uh i think you're beautiful i'd like to take you on a date um and she says yes so she goes on this date with like and he's like the the like heartthrob of the tv show he's also like the second half of her otp so her like winter bear uh so she uh she's very excited but what we find out is that marcus who's the actor is also moonlighting as a fan fiction writer and they'd already met previously they'd been like um sending each other their fan fictions for two years previously to them meeting in real life uh, and editing them for each other. So they were online friends. And Marcus finds out during the first date who she is. And he has to decide whether or not he is going to disclose his secret identity. That could get him in a lot of trouble with uh, the producers of the show. Because he has issues with kind of the direction of the sh- the, the show was taken. Uh, as I think a lot of people with a lot of different TV adaptations of, of books could attest to. Like sometimes things happen that would not happen in the books. Uh, but it's... It's really fun, and, like, if you are not down for the miscommunication trope, I'd say skip this one, because this is a whole... <laughs> it's just all miscommunication. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. It's fun. We get to... <laughs> uh, within the text, we get excerpts of the fan fictions, uh, which was hysterical, because uh, they write on AO3. So listening to the audiobook... Uh, it reads everything on the page. So it's like, AO3, this many kudos, this many books. Like, it reads everything on the page. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it's so fun. It's spicy. It's heartfelt. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and I think uh, April was a really great plus-size protagonist for me personally. I found I related to her a lot. She gets a lot of, like, brave moments where she has to consciously choose not to care what other people think. Um, mm-hmm. and none of the fat phobia is like incredibly graphic or like violent. So I'm like, yeah, if that's, if that's not your jam, if you want to go into something that's a little bit lighter, mm-hmm. uh, on that, I'd say that. Uh, and then I know the other, there, a sequel to it is coming out next year. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like it. That's it. I, I think you gave it four stars. I liked it. That one's been on my TBR for a while. 
Um, I am currently reading a nonfiction book. Um, it's called 101 Essays That Will Change the Way You Think by Brianna Weiss. I think that's how you say it. Um, and it's essentially like she has kind of like these, she's published like these short little, um, essentially it's like compiled of her, um, anthology of her work maybe i don't know um but essentially it has like lists of um things like expectations you must let go of in your 20s um trying to make sense of your life and what's actually holding you back um and i kind of just have it like on my bedside table every night and i kind of just like read right before i'm about to fall asleep um i've been picking it up and it's really nice and um i don't know it's it's very like philosophical and like you kind of like get into like why you're holding yourself back and it's it's like embracing your negative self to turn it positive so it's it's been pretty nice that's awesome um i uh have author privileges so i read a book that's not coming out until june of next year uh it's called american royalty by tracy livesey and uh it has a beautiful cover it is a, about a black heroine and a prince. And the heroine is a very famous rapper. And um, the prince is like Buckingham Palace prince. Like, and uh, he is charged with putting together this like benefits concert. Um, he wants like nothing to do with the royalty, like with like his stuff, he wants to like go and teach up North and like be, you know, whatever. He's like, whatever, I'm third in line for the throne. It's not like it's a big deal or whatever. And she comes along because uh, her name is Duchess. So like the assistant was like, oh, here are the names of like available acts. And like she said, Duchess. And he's like, whatever, that sounds like elegant. Like, why don't you invite Duchess? <laughs> And Duchess is like a rapper. So um, so Duchess is kind of like has this other like pop singer star whatever who is trying to create beef with her online in order to like mooch off of her fame. And, uh, and like, she's trying to get away from all of that. Like there's this whole video that in the club where it looked like she hit the this other singer but it wasn't the case um or like like started like a brawl in this club or whatever and it wasn't the case um and so when they meet though it is like fire it's fireworks it's amazing there's a bathtub scene that's all I gotta say and uh and it's like Tracy wrote such a spectacular book it starts off with like rap lyrics in the beginning of like her chapters and um like like Tracy wrote a lot of the lyrics and of uh, like wrote some lyrics in the book and um like there's a scene where it's like they go to like this outing and um and like she's actually like recognized more than he is like no one really cares about the prince like everyone cares about Duchess so it's just like beautifully executed like beautifully done very like it's the and the way that I read it is it's the uh, Megan and Harry romance that we all wanted okay so it's amazing and uh you know there you go adds to list (laughs) can't wait for that one (laughs) 
So that's what I just finished reading. And then there's like the mafia romances that are coming out. Like I think there's one mafia romance that releases for like every week for the next like through the end of the year. Did you guys see hear about this? No. <laughs> it's like a bunch of these really super famous like indie authors got together and they created like this joint mafia world where like oh there's God. literally each of them wrote a book and each there's like a new book that comes out every week. So oh. now every week I'm like on, I'm like okay what's the next one let's go. And you're like, my TBR is set for the rest of the year. Pretty much. So every week there's a new Mafia romance. (laughs) How did I I not know about that? What? I did a video on it. I even linked to it and everything. (laughs) I I haven't been on TikTok in so long with school, but now now today's better. Today's a better day. (laughs) Because I know that. Uh, we will absolutely link to that in our show notes um, in case anybody is interested in the weekly uh, Mafia releases. Um, so thank you so much for coming on, Nisha. It has been absolutely wonderful getting to chat with you. Uh, where can everybody find you if they would like to come follow you on social media? Sure. So I am at Nisha Wright, W-R-I-T-E-S, um, on TikTok, Instagram, and on um, Twitter, if you're still there. Uh, but Twitter is more of like, it's more of like an info release account. Uh, uh, all of my books, all of my like information is on my website, which is www.nisha-sharma.com. And um, you can like check me out in all of those places. I also have a newsletter where I will like compile a lot of the information about what's going on and I'll release it monthly. Um, so uh, that is linked on my website as well. Nice. And Dating Dr. Dell comes out March 15th. March 15th. And if you don't so. pre-order, there's a paper shortage. Like, this is the huge thing publishing is <gasps> right. talking about. Yes. So, like, yeah. that's what happened with Allie Hazelwood's book, right? Like, the reason why people couldn't get copies is because there's a paper shortage. They couldn't print enough books for her. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to guarantee a copy of Dating Dr. Dell, you have to pre-order. Okay. <laughs> You heard it from the source, folks. Uh, and that is it for our episode. Again, thank you so much, Nisha, for coming on. Uh, you can go ahead and find us on our Instagram uh, at Books on the Brain Pod. And please go ahead and leave the stethoscope <gasps> emoji on our most. I, I, ooh, that was really. Um, off the cuff um please go leave that on our uh, most recent post to let us know that you listened to it uh we put out new episodes every other week and we will be wrapping up season one pretty soon so make sure you stay tuned for that announcement you can also go ahead and follow us on our personal accounts i'm at deirdre rose morgan on instagram and tiktok i'm at d.j.books on tiktok and on instagram and i am at carly rakashi on instagram and at library of Carly on TikTok. Thank you again, Nisha, for coming on. This is great. uh, This was so much fun. And we hope you all have a great rest of your day and we will chat to you soon. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.